Welcome to Bible Insights with Wayne Conrad. God's Word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. I want to look again at John chapter 1, the first 18 verses, which is John's introduction to his narrative about the life of Christ. In the midst of the paragraphs, he writes the following words concerning the Word. First of all, he introduces the Word in the first paragraph as the Word was with God and the Word was God. The beginning, God existed. God has always been with God and God has always been God. But God, in the person of the Word, became a human being. And that's the point of the middle section of the first chapter. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we've seen his glory. Glory is of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, John is going to write his gospel, and does write his gospel, as a witness to Jesus as the Messiah, to Jesus as the promised one, the one who has come in promise of God's covenant to send a Redeemer for his people. And John's gospel records the reception of Jesus. And in the middle of the first section of John's gospel, he writes these words. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. Now that verse connects with verse 3 above. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that has been made. So he is the true light. The Word is the true light, the one who made all things. Now he is in the world, in the the earth that he has created, and the world was made through him, and yet the world did not know him. He came to his own. Now the word there, his own, indicates his own people, his own, as you would say, kind, his own tribal people. That that means he became a Hebrew. He was born a Hebrew, an Israelite from the line of Abraham and the line of David. He came into his own, his own people, that is the Jewish people, the Hebrew people, from the patriarchs. His own people did not receive him. So John's telling us that the majority of the people here, when he was here in the flesh in the days of his incarnation, did not receive him. But there were those who did receive him. For he goes on in verse 12, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right or the authority to become children of God, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Now John writes his gospel in order to elicit belief in Jesus as a Messiah. He writes in John chapter 20 and verse 20, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples that are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ, 
the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So the whole purpose of the gospel narrative of John is to present evidence for Jesus as the Messiah. Now he does this by focusing on seven, perhaps eight, miracle signs that indicate he's the Messiah, and on Jesus' use of the divine name in his own identification, when Jesus would say such things as, I am the good shepherd, think of Psalm 23, or I am the light, the light of the world. Well, that's what John has introduced us to in John chapter 1 and verse 9. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. And the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, but his own people did not receive him. Now, this is in accordance with the prophecy. Isaiah 53 says concerning him, Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering, like one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised and we esteemed him not. So that's reference to the majority of the people in the days of Jesus' ministry in the flesh here on the earth. Now, John does record for us how people received him both the positives and the negatives. A lot of the Gospel of John indicates the unbelieving Jews, especially among the Jewish leadership, who did not receive him as the Christ or the Messiah. They looked upon him as a threat, and they looked upon him as one who is challenging the political status quo and one who challenged their authority as religious leaders in Israel. But there are exceptions And John records those exceptions for us of those who did receive him, who did believe on his name. And when we look at them, we can understand more what it means to believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So the first example I want us to look at is John chapter 3. You possibly remember the story if you're familiar with the Bible. It is a leader of the Jews... That is a rabbi of the Pharisee school of thought named Nicodemus comes to Jesus at nighttime and speaks to him. And he says, Rabbi, we know you're a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. So Nicodemus is saying, I'm persuaded by the signs that you do that that you come from God. Now, That's a high compliment. And I believe Nicodemus was very sincere. But you know, Jesus cuts immediately across every possible conversation that could have been had, and he gets to the root of the issue. Why did Nicodemus come? Well, Jesus knows that Nicodemus came because he's seeking to enter into the kingdom of God. And so Jesus does not, as we say, beat around the bush. He immediately tells Nicodemus up front how he can be received as the king of the kingdom of God. This is what Jesus 
said to Nicodemus. Truly, I tell you, unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, that's a strange expression. Nicodemus has not heard this expression before, being born again. And so he's he's frustrated. What on earth does this mean? And so he asked Jesus this kind of obvious question. Can someone be born when he's old? How can someone be born when he's old? I'm already here. Can I go back into my mother's womb a second time and be born? That's his question. And Jesus answered, well, truly I tell you, unless someone is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So Jesus is saying, I'm not talking about a new physical birth. I'm talking about a spiritual birth. I'm talking about a birth from heaven that's brought about of the activity of the Spirit of God. Now, you can't see the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is as invisible as the wind and even more powerful. Jesus says, look, whatever is born of the flesh is flesh. Whatever is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I told you that you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you don't know where it is coming from or where it's going. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. How can these things be? asked Nicodemus. And so Jesus begins to explain to him how these things can be. First of all, Jesus is looks with astonishment at him, and he says, Are you a teacher of Israel, and you don't know these things? Truly, I tell you, Nicodemus, we speak what we know, and we testify to what we've seen, and you do not accept our testimony. But if I told you about earthly things, and you don't believe, how will you believe if I tell you about the heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. Jesus is talking about himself. But how does he, the Word, who has become man, that is the Son of Man, how does he bring about salvation? How does he bring about deliverance? And how does he bring about the new birth? That is, that one can be spiritually reborn so that they can enter the kingdom of God and be citizens of the kingdom of God and have eternal life, the forgiveness of their sins, and a correct and wonderful everlasting relationship with Almighty God. What Jesus tells him, just as Moses lifted up a snake in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. Jesus is alluding to a story in the Old Testament where God sent a plague of poisonous snakes into the camp because of the rebellion of Israel, and they began to bite people, and people began to die, and they cried out to Moses for relief, beg Yahweh to stop this, to do something, to put an end to this crisis. And so God tells Moses, craft a bronze servant of a snake just like the one that bites him and put it on a pole and tell them, to look at the pole, and everyone who looks at the pole and believes will be spared. Their life will be spared. And so Moses built the bronze serpent. He put it on the pole. The thing that was killing them, sin, is what was put on that pole in this visual symbol. When the people looked at it, the pole has put the snake to death. When the people looked at it, they too were healed of their bites or escaped. They receive deliverance, salvation. So it is, Jesus is saying, if those who believe look to him, they shall be saved. For God so loved the world 
that is the people in this world, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Anyone who believes in him is not condemned, but anyone who does not believe is already condemned because he has not believed in the name of the one and only Son of God. You see what Jesus is saying? We have been bitten by the snake, the snake of sin, of rebellion against God, of depravity that we've inherited from Father Adam. We are a dying people unless God intervenes. But God has sent one into the world, his Son, and the Son of Man being lifted up on the cross, becoming sin for us. He who knew no sin became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God by faith in him. This is what Jesus is talking about. This is what it means to receive Christ. This is what it means to believe on him. You see, Anyone who believes in him is not condemned, but anyone who does not believe is already condemned because he's not believed in the name of the one and only Son of God. But this is the judgment. The light is coming to the world and people of darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Now, we go back to John chapter 1 and the first verse is right in the middle of that paragraph. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right, that is the authority, the ability to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Now, how is one born again? How does one receive Jesus Christ? Well, to receive Jesus Christ is the same as believing in his name. And believing in his name, Jesus tells Nicodemus, is believing that he is God's remedy for our problem of sin, of our problem of judgment, of our problem of damnation, of our problem of being condemned by our sins. Jesus Christ is the answer to this problem that we have. And how is he the answer? He took our place. He bore our curse. He took the snake bite. And he, in turn, trampled the snake under his feet. That's a pictorial image we have in the book of Revelation. That the Lord God, in the person of his Son, has come into this world to redeem those who are his own, those who have been chosen by the Father and have been gifted to the Son from all eternity. How do we know them? How do they know themselves? Well, when they hear the message of Jesus, they believe. They believe on him. They believe who he is. They believe that what he did is accomplishes salvation, and they accept him into their lives as their Savior, as their Deliverer, as their Lord, as their God. This is Christ Jesus. Now, how are people born again? Well, they're not born again because they're born into a certain tribe or a certain race of people. We're not saved by racial identity. We're not saved by nationality. We're not saved by religious institutions. We are not saved by particular religious acts that are done to us as children. We are saved when we individually have been awakened to our serious state before God 
and we believe the message about the Lord Jesus Christ and turning from our way of life without him. We have come to pursue life with him and we placed ourselves, our life, our body, soul, mind, and spirit in his hands for time and eternity. We've looked to him in faith and said, Lord Jesus, save me. And he's promised that if you look to him in faith, you will be saved. You will be born, not of blood, not of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but born of God, born by the Spirit of God, a supernatural birth from heaven. Hear the message, believe the message, and be saved. This has been Wayne Conrad with Bible Insights. And the next time, Remember the light has come into the world. Look to the light.